You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey everyone, it's Sarah, and I want to thank you so much for downloading this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And as previous listeners already know, our podcast is all about shedding those limiting labels and beliefs so that we can lead fulfilling lives, lead our lives with purpose and be meaningful and without excuses. So no labels, no limits, no excuses. So I know you're going to enjoy this interview. Um, I've been looking forward to speaking to today's guest. He's written a new book, which follows, and I'll tell you a little bit about that, but we're going to spend some time talking about it. It's an interesting premise, um, and it follows on the heels of a book he wrote five years ago. Also interesting, but let me talk to you today about our guest, Forrest Rivers. And before you ask, no, that's a chosen name, so we'll ask, we'll ask about that as well. But Forrest is a writer, a teacher, and a speaker, and he splits his time between the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina and the Colorado Rockies. So as we're speaking today, he's in the mountains, one or the other. He can tell you where he is. Um, and when he was around 30, though, he went on a, a humbling trip. And I mean humbling in the purest sense of the word of humble you to your knees trip to Maui, where he experienced firsthand the overwhelming power of the earth. And that helped him overcome a a really dark period of alcohol abuse. And then when he came back home from that life-changing experience, there had been a spark of interest in spiritual traditions in the Far East that had been you know, ignited there. And that further went on to, you know, kind of light that deep internal desire. And he went on to immerse himself in the teachings of Buddhist, Hindu, and Taoist mystics. Um, But he's now working, he's been working out helping folks um, for a long time since then. And today he spends his time guiding others to look within and become basically the best version of themselves. And now you can see why he's a perfect guest for the No Labels, No Limits podcast. Um, And his newest book just released this year is COVID-19 and Humanity's Spiritual Awakening. So we're going to talk about that because just the title alone um, implies some big changes. So let's welcome our guest, Forrest Rivers. Hey, Forrest. Hey, how you doing, sir? I'm doing really well, and I'm super glad to have you on this show. Um, You know, most of my guests get this question or some variation of the question, so you're going to get it as well. And that is, is there something you do every day that keeps you focused on your big goals and keeps your belief up in humanity and radical love? Oh, that's such such an amazing question. And, 
Sarah, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm uh, really grateful and excited to be here. And uh, I guess the the one thing I do uh, every day that keeps my faith in humanity and keeps me sort of like wanting to evolve forward is uh, daily nature walks in the woods. Uh, I'm very blessed to live up in the mountains and I live very close to nature. And those walks are always incredibly humbling. They reset my heart. They center my mind and they fill me with more intention. Um, more than ever, I've come to believe that, that, that nature may be the single most important thing for people to be exposed to. And within it is tremendous healing. So I'd say my daily nature walks and coming out of that, when your mind can be centered and your heart can be open, which nature does for me, uh, it's impossible not to uh, cultivate that same faith in, in humanity. And, and also uh, daily morning meditations are extremely important. Uh, opening your heart up and sending he uh, waves of healing and love to people who are suffering. Um, the Buddhists call it metta practice. And that's a big, that's a big thing in my, in my daily life. So, um, and I, and I would also just say even more basically, just waking up every day with a little bit of gratitude, you know, finding something that you're grateful for. And if, if you can't find it, you're not, you're not looking hard enough because the fact that we're even able to experience consciousness and everything it entails is incredible in itself. Yes, on those low, slow mornings where you're feeling a little grumpy or you just feel you need to be grumpy, whatever, sometimes the gratitude is, I'm so grateful I can draw a breath. Absolutely. Because, Thanks. I'm here. I'm awake. I'm part of the world today. Here I am. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still alive today. Or something as simple even as like being able to, uh, being able to walk, uh -huh. you know, get up and walk. There's many, obviously many who don't, uh, who, who don't have that ability or being able to see or being able to hear, you know, just having all of my senses in one, in one place. That's, that's something to celebrate every day. Absolutely. So. I'm right there with you, Forrest. So can you take us back and you've probably had to do this many times, but I'm very curious about the, um, your awakening in Maui and how it helped you. You know, you talk about that really dark period of alcohol abuse. What, what was going on then and how did that help you? Yeah. That trans, you know, the experience. Absolutely. So, you know, in my twenties, uh, actually my late teens and, and all through my twenties, uh, like many young people, I, I suffered with my own sense, my own inner demons for lack of a better phrase. Uh, for me, it was dealing with, uh, with my adoption when I was younger and, not really fully making sense of that and my sense of not belonging. So I turned to heavy drinking uh, and, it, and it spiraled out of control where, you know, it winded up in uh, confrontations with police. It winded up into confrontations with my family, you know, a whole number of negative things resulted, you know, from that. So, uh, I, I had the uh, beautiful opportunity to be able to wind up in Maui uh, for some time back. Oh gosh, that would have been when I was 30 years old. So about nine years back. 
And it was absolutely one of the most awe-inspiring experiences of my life. The entire time in, in Maui, I, I, I not only connected to nature, but I felt like I was a part of something bigger for the first time in my life. I think up until 30, you know, not, not that I didn't believe in spirituality and I didn't believe in the spiritual path. I didn't believe in anything different, bigger than myself, but I didn't live according to, to any of that. Um, and something about Maui just humbled me. And uh, I like to say it this way, the, the transcendent spoke to me through, through the natural world. And uh, there was one experience I had in particular. The whole week, the whole time I was there was one giant sort of mystical experience. But there was one moment in particular where I was sitting on the edge of a, a, a cliff that looked out into the ocean. And I remember just feeling more alive in that moment than I've ever felt before. And, you know, it might sound kind of cliche, but I remember just being feeling the need to just remove all my clothes and yelling primarily yelling into the ocean the vast expanse of the ocean and like here I am and here's what I'm a part of and it really woke me up and following that I came home at the time I was living in Nashville Tennessee and I began an interest in in a deep interest in meditation and began exploring a sangha uh in the city, uh, led by this amazing meditation teacher, Dave Smith, who was trained at the time by the by uh, Jack Cornfield and uh, Stephen Levine and Noah Levine and that whole kind of lineage, and um, that really opened up a path for me. And then nature became something that became my saving grace, and you know, I ended up when I had the opportunity moving off to the Smoky Mountains where I am now and I've kind of moved back and forth between here and the Rockies and back to the Smokies. And it's just kind of a love affair with both, with both ranges and, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a journey and I don't, you know, regret going through that period of the, of the substance abuse at all because it brought me here, you know, where I am. So, um, Forrest, I'm one of these folks, like you'll say a word and I'm thinking, oh, there's another question, but sometimes the questions seem kind of bizarre, but you talk about the two mountain ranges, right? The Smokies and the Rockies. And they, to me, having been in both more in the Rockies than in the Smokies, but they have very different personalities, if you will. I don't know a better word for it. Maybe spiritual. I don't know. So wow, I was just, I was just going to say, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing insight because I actually had written a piece sometime back, a small piece called like a paragraph. It was called a uh, two ranges, one teacher. And I talked about how the smoky sort of represented the feminine energy. And they were like the, where you lay down roots and the, the ancient mountains that sort of like, where you come to do your soul's work and the Rockies represent the overcoming of adversity and the, the, the masculine kind of like energy. And of course the Rockies have a feminine side and the Smokies have a masculine side too, but that's just kind of what, what I felt. They have very different personalities and it's probably why I'm drawn to both. 
Interesting. Uh, so thanks for having that pop in my head because yeah. nowhere on my list of preparation questions and things I wanted to ask you was that question. <laughs> so, but I trust, I actually trust what comes up for me. I was like, I'm going to ask. He's either going to have an answer. He's going to say, this girl's kind of wacko. That's um, a great question. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but so you come back from this experience and you start shifting the direction you're going with your life as you described in Tennessee and following this. Did you have a challenge to overcome there? Were people expecting the old forest to show up again? Because, you know, folks um, listening and who are trying to evolve or kind of grow in their life sometimes get that pushback from the old and familiar, I guess would be the way I'd say. Did you experience any of that? Yeah, especially uh, among friends I had at the time that weren't interested in the spiritual path. You know, it, it is kind of a, a a big roundabout when you're, you know, a big turn when you're immersed in that culture of sort of alcohol abuse and kind of debaucherous lifestyle and, and shifting to a more intention-filled way of living and at first there were some kind of like eyebrows being raised, but I was very lucky that, that I found people uh, among my, you know, my tribe, if you will, at the time that were also interested in making that same kind of shift. So I, I was very blessed, but yes, there was definitely that, 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 uh, that, that immediate um, challenge of perhaps falling back backwards into that that former life, which is why when I write and speak, I've taken the name Forest Rivers to sort of remind myself of that sort of like transformative shift. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, you know, a, a big, you know, a reminder for me. Yep. Thanks. Because I know it can sound like, oh, I went away for a week and I came back and magically all things just settled oh. into their right and perfect place. No, and, and I would point like out that. not quite like that at all. And, and you know, I, I still have to point out, I, you know, I'm far, far, far from perfect. I don't, I don't know. And if anything, the further I've gone on this path, I, I identify more and more and more and more things I need to personally work on. Um, and, you know, I, I've been blessed to have, you know, met people in my life that I would consider realized beings, but I'm far from that. And, and that's good. That's comforting to me to know that I have a lot of work to do. And I think if anyone's really being honest with themselves, they realize that the entire spiritual path is, is peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. You know, you're right. You're, you're, you're having these great breakthroughs and epiphanies, and then you kind of hit the bottom again, and then you kind of move, you know, it's, it's constantly shifting. So I think it's, I, how about this? I, I always want to ask some questions if somebody says, hey, I had this one moment and now I'm awake and that's it. And I'm like, I don't know. I always have, I always, you know. <laughs> I have my little side that comes out and goes, really? Yep. I bet if we just kept chatting, you'd say, well, and then it'd be the peaks and valleys because that's our experience. Exactly. That's the experience, the human experience. And yeah. I think, and I think anybody who's really being honest with themselves would see that, that, that their experience is a series of peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. Yeah. And there's always, always 
something to work on, you know, within yourself. And uh, like, you know, uh, being being on these being on this this podcast radio tour, for example, I've been on. Uh, I'm reminded with some of the beings that I've had the privilege to speak to, just how far I have to go in my path because I've met such inspiring people through this radio podcast tour. I'm like, wow, like I have still have a lot of work to do on myself here. So, um, yeah. But that sometimes for me, when I meet people that I'm just and I feel that way about my guests, Forrest, it's like, wow, this is totally cool. I get to meet meet people. But I also think that it's one of the ways we can surround ourselves with people. You know, when you talk about the peaks and valleys, I always remember that when I'm in a valley, because I get in my valleys, that the peaks are there to remind me to just keep walking. Just come on, put your head up, keep walking, take a step further, you know, and, and trust. And that's and, the point, um, faith. faith, faith. Yeah. If you cultivate anything on the path, it's just faith. Where you, where you don't become as attached to the highs, you know, you don't have those moments of when you're having those highs, you're not like, I'm great. You know, you have confidence, but you're not, you know, ego, you know. And when you hit that bottom, you're not like this is going to stay in the bottom forever. You become less attached to your highs, less attached to your lows. And more resilient, I would say, too, overall. And more resilient, which is, that was the entire uh, reason I wrote this book, was to sort of like say to people, you can be empowered and you can build resiliency and you can find your own inspiration. All right, well, let's talk about the book because I am um, really curious to learn more about it. And I think you just started giving us a hint, but um, how and why exactly did you start to write this book, COVID-19 and Humanity Spiritual Awakening? Yeah, so um, I started writing this book back in March of 2020 when we all went into lockdown. And like everybody else, you know, I was feeling the same, many of the same feelings. Uh, am I going to catch this thing? What does it mean if I catch it? Am I going to, you know, have to face death? Um, will I have long, if I catch it, will I have long standing sickness from it? Uh, will, you know, what is this, what's this period of isolation and these lockdowns going to be like? Um, you know, and what I saw around me was a lot of suffering, you know, a lot of suffering, all the things I just mentioned, job layoffs, I would add to that, people being sick, people dying, death being centered all around us, um, all the uncertainty, uh, all those crazy protests we were seeing during the time and social unrest and all of this stuff that defined 2020. And, you know, it was, it was funny, Sarah, like all we saw, all we heard and understandably, I don't want to, I don't want to um, downplay the amount of very real suffering people went through, but the message starting in March was very negative. I would almost say like nihilistic, anxiety provoking, fear, fear, fear provoking. And I wanted to provide a perspective of covid that would be the opposite of that. That would say, yes, there is significant suffering going on. Let's start there. And let's look at the way that that suffering can actually 
empower us and maybe inspire a more positive turn for us as individuals on our own spiritual paths and for the larger human race. So I really wanted to kind of like counter the negative narrative being put out there starting in March. So I wanted to, to really inspire people to build resiliency and faith in people that this doesn't have to be looked at as this terrible event. It could actually be looked at as if we could take a broader perspective as an event that could actually move us forward in a more kinder, gentler, uh, aware uh, society. And, you know, obviously, so I started writing this book from a number of perspectives of that. You know, the, my, my overarching perspective was of this spiritual awakening. But then I realized there's so many different sides of it. There's the awakening it could have for overcoming our fear of death. There's the awakening it could have for finding more meaning in our lives. There's uh, an angle of this entire narrative about turning to creative expression, like art and music and writing. Uh, There's a perspective in here that is about reconnecting to the earth and the mother nature. There's a perspective in here that is uh, recognizing our inherent connection to each other. You know, COVID, we all went through this together. You know, so I saw, I realized, so I started writing this as a series of little essays, all with the theme of spiritual awakening. And the essays orig- um, just came to form a book. And I realized that they all had the same thread. And, and here we are. So. so, you know, I think one of the things you've been quoted as saying is that COVID actually could become regarded as one of our light posts on the path to our humanities spiritual awakening, um, and that something altogether beautiful has bubbled up from beneath the surface of the, the outwardly suffering. and realistic suffering, right? Absolutely. Um, so what is that something that you see bubbling up? Yeah, so that's something that I see bubbling up is is an acknowledgement of, of, uh, of our deeper humanity, of, our, of becoming something akin to being more fully human, not just these robots. And you, you, you see pre-COVID, uh, there were certain things we weren't even questioning on a collective level, individual level. And then, of course, collectively. Give, us some ex- give me some or give us, because it's all of us listening to you, um, yeah. some examples of those things that we weren't questioning. Yeah. So, so, Sarah, one big thing that comes to mind, and you're seeing it now with people's reluctance to go back to certain jobs. Uh, you know, people use the time that they had in, um, not everybody, of course, had that privilege, but those who had the time to reflect when we had the boosted unemployment benefits and we were in lockdown mode, many people were, were questioning, you know, am I really doing with my life what I really want to be doing? Is there more to, to life than just making money? and pursuing material aims and chasing fame, power, and status? Or do I want to do something that's a little bit more uh, meaningful? So in the book, I outline a number of like antidotal stories of people I spoke to of, you know, some people wanted to go move off the grid. I met another guy who decided this is a perfect time to take to the Appalachian Trail and hike 2,000 miles and go on a pilgrimage himself. I met another, you know, other people who decided that they 
wanted to devote their life to farming and left their corporate jobs and moved off the grid. Uh, some people I talked to started their own YouTube channels to help inspire people. Um, I have a buddy I talk about who's shifting to, he wants to be a woodworker and develop that great hobby during uh, the pandemic and doesn't want to go back to his office job. You know, you know, pe people are, I think one thing we saw is people were had that time to silently reflect and be with their thoughts and be with themselves. And they're realizing, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not really sure if I'm living my life's purpose. So I think people are beginning to question that. And I hope it carries over post COVID. Uh, the second thing that's very obvious is more people than ever, maybe they're interlocked, the, the, the search for more meaning. People, as we were exposed to death, we know somebody who got sick. We know somebody who died. We, we kept hearing about it in the media every day, you know, the, how many, the, the constant um, mentioning of the death tolls, the repetition of it. it we, were, we were having to face down our own mortality. And for some people, some many, not some many, have, haven't even really thought about death and what that means and who dies and what dies and what does that mean to die and where does, you know, am I more than this body? Those kinds of questions, existential questions, people were asking on a more widespread level than ever before. And on the surface, Sarah, it may look like everybody's going back to normal. You know, we're going back to our shows, you know, we're going back to back to the many going back to the bars and going back to all this exterior shopping again and going back to rampant consumerism. It may look like on the surface that nothing's changed as we ramp up our quote return, you know, the normalcy, normalcy. But what we might see is the fact that that last year, because we all experienced it together, that may stay with us in our consciousness. So even if we do go back on the exterior, on the surface, it looks like everything's returning back to the way it was pre-COVID. What I want to say this is that last year, we experienced such a profound inner reflection. That may stay with us. That may stay with us. So, so you may go back to doing what you're doing, but when you are brushing your teeth at night or you're sitting in silent reflection, you're like, you know, that year was interesting and it got me thinking about my own mortality. What I'm trying to get is we're asking deeper questions, Sarah. Deeper questions were asked during this time. And I would also point out, too, we saw during the pandemic the spirit of service, right? This idea of loving kindness on a level we haven't seen before. We, For all the attention given to, you know, the division that came out and the George Floyd debacle, and which shouldn't be... Shouldn't be um, uh, what's I'm looking for, uh, underplayed. They were very serious events, right? For all of that turmoil we saw in 2020, you also saw record numbers of people uh, volunteering. You saw more attention given to the homeless populations, the plight of the poor, uh, the plight of people who are out of work. It raised more questions that we're seeing now about people being paid better wages, um, the the question of maybe everybody should have health care. Maybe that's something that shouldn't be just based on wealth. Those kinds of deeper questions, societal questions have come up more and more and more. Now I'm not saying we're going to see kind of, you know, uh, radical changes overnight, but, but you saw what you saw during COVID was, was a more 
of a realization that we're, we're more interconnected than we think we are. And, and how could we not come to that conclusion when we were faced with a virus that, that knew no boundaries? You know, one day it was Italians who were suffering, then it was Americans, then it's Indians, then it's, you know, Brazilians. You know, wherever you are in the world, every, there was this growing realization that no matter where you are, we're, we're more interconnected than you think. And those are some of the things that have come out of this pandemic. And I hope that awareness, Sarah, stays with us as we move forward, because that may be the only way that we can combat some of the deeper suffering that we see both on our individual and collective levels. So had that not happened, right, just say you and I were talking, well, we might be talking about your previous book, but or we were just talking about life in general. Um would you have the same hope for us as folks who are um, emerging somewhat differently? Would you have thought this path possible, I guess, without a major cataclysmic event? That's a great question. So I have kind of like a, two ways to address that question. One, one is I would say that this event was sort of like destined in our path. So on one stepping back for enough, we're able to take a more cosmic or uh, far-ranging perspective, this was this was supposed to happen. So you know, one one way one way I look at this question, I'm like, well, uh, I'm not sure if we could ask the if question because I think this was just part of our natural unfolding. I think all of our ego. So let me back up a second. So I really believe, Sarah, and to all the listeners and the viewers here, that that we're. Uh, Everything that happens on the physical plane is like a direct manifestation of everything that's happening on the spiritual plane. The underlying transcendent reality, you can call it God or Tao or Brahman or, you know, um, the underlying reality, whatever name you have for it, doesn't really matter. But we're part of that, some deeper essence. And that's a soul essence or a spiritual essence. And I think the amount of ego that we've had, this event had to happen, or it was like our karma unfolding that brought us this event, that brought us to where we are. So I would say on one level, yes, this event, because it, it happened, and it was sort of, in my perspective, destined to happen, it, it was needed to jolt, to, to, to transcend our ego state of awareness. And I'm not even sure we've transcended that yet. I don't think we have. I think it was just an awake, a waking moment for us to look and go, aha, maybe the old ways aren't working. And what we need is a more, is a truly revolutionary direction. But the revolutionary direction is not coming from the outside, as we've been taught through politics and social action. The revolution is an inner revolution inside. And that's where the change starts, and it blossoms outside after that. You Talk know, about so, radical, right? Like if I want to have peace and healing in the world, I can do it by starting with me on self. my insides. Absolutely, and, and, and I, not and I, like all my external. That you know, no labels. No, no, no excuse. In fact, I, in fact, Sarah, I would say that the focusing, uh, focusing on the external, without focusing on the internal 
is is like a dog chasing its tail, right? It's it's it leads you nowhere. You know, in fact, actually, sadly, what that if you have activism that's not rooted in inner awareness, all that produces is more conflict. No matter how peaceful you claim to be, it leads to more conflict and it leads to more self righteousness. When you when you start with yourself and you become accountable for your own thoughts and actions and your own uh, forward momentum. That's, that's what really, that's how real change in my humble opinion is made. And I think COVID was a, in that regard, was a light post, uh, for that. Um, now if, if the other, the other way to address your question, my faith still would have been just as strong, even if COVID hadn't happened, because I personally believe that if it wasn't a pandemic, it would have been, you know, climate change that brought us to this point. If it wasn't climate change, it would have been, um, oh, I don't know, you know, further rampant consumerism and its negative effects that might have brought us here. Something catastrophic would have eventually occurred that that would have w- woken us up. And that would, and I, again, I, I construe that as messages or manifestations of the spiritual plane just taking its physical form. So at yep. some point, at some point, we were going to have to be rooted out of our ego and, you know, I think that ego was part of our path. Everything that happens, I believe, hap- happens with a purpose. So why would, I have a le- why would I have any less faith in humanity just because we're stuck in an ego period? I think we, we're, everything's a cycle, right, Sarah? We have, we have periods of darkness or ego, and then we have periods of light and awareness. And we have to pass through the dark to get to the light. You know, so... Yep. I agree. And when people... Um you know, are like very, and these are conversations I have frequently with people, this is so terrible and this and that. I says, the pendulum's going to swing. If you will take a a backward perspective, you will see crazy things happening throughout history. And I mean, like going way back, hundreds, hundreds of years, right? It looks like there's no way forward sometimes. And then things change. Absolutely. You know, they don't change necessarily to be perfect. They just change. I mean, if you look at the, as an example of that, Sarah, if you and I and I have a, I have some references to this in one of the chapters in the book. Um, the who could have predicted that out of the 1950s would come a deep, deep spiritual renaissance in the 60s? You know, you had people experimenting with Eastern religion, with psychedelics, and it wasn't always intention filled, but you had people, you know, uh, exploring Christian mysticism. You know, you had a real, what I would call an inner renaissance, right, during that period. And no one looking in the 1950s, the mid-50s, would have even thought that that was possible. But the pendulum swung. And then from the 60s, right, we swung back, you know, in the 80s and 90s, which was this hyper-materialistic, ego-centered, what-can-I-get-for-me mentality. And now we're swinging back in the direction of, hey, you know, maybe we've gone too far in that, that direction. Look at the real suffering that's resulted from that. And maybe we need a more wiser and more uh, a path that, that acknowledges our inherent oneness, really. So I'm gonna, I have a couple last questions for you, Forrest. One yeah. of them is if someone's listening and they want to do something today that will contribute to our collective healing, is there something small each one of us can do um, 
simple, regardless of who we are, or where we live, or, you know. Listen to somebody else's story. Listen to somebody else's suffering, because they have a lot to tell you. You know, um, one of the one of the greatest sources of suffering in our society today is this feeling of isolation. We're more connected than, ironically, we're more connected than we've ever been. I mean, look what we're doing right now, Sarah, through Zoom, right? This would be impossible years back. We're more connected than we've ever been before, but we're also more isolated. We're more stuck in our, our kind of consumer bubbles, you know, in our technological bubbles. And I think connecting and reaching out to others is one simple thing that we can do, especially after the last year we've been through where many people have felt isolated and alone. I think just, you know, it could be somebody in a grocery store. I mean, I had a wonderful interaction last week where I was talking to an elderly man and he just looked really excited just to connect and talk to somebody. We were talking about our favorite peanut butter. (laughs) It was something so small, but he ended up like telling me his story, how he had been shut in during much of the last year and he felt alone and, we started connecting and then we, you know, we found out that we both like to write poetry and he, he like, he gave me his uh, email to share his poetry with me and just a connection like that, you know, like very, I think just like listening to somebody else that you normally wouldn't take the time to connect with. Everybody has a really fascinating story to tell and we're all seeking that connection. Mm-hmm. And it's too many times we just, we're so focused on, it's just my family, the people who are immediately in my life, and we're leaving out the fact that really we're all one big, and it sounds cliche, but I really believe it, we're all one human family. We're all one big family. So I think just taking time out to hear somebody else's story and to connect with them and open yourself up to having those spontaneous connections. You palled up over peanut butter. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Okay. So, Forrest, before we let you go, will you tell us a couple of things? Where's the best place, A, for people to find your book, and then B, to stay connected to you and what you're doing? Absolutely. So, one place to grab my book, obviously, is on Amazon. You can go right on Amazon. Um, And if you go on Amazon and you leave a review, I will send you a free copy of my first book, the Hippie Revival, and Collected Writings. And all you have to do is just go to my website, forestrivers.com, F-O-R-R-E-S-T, rivers.com. And I have a little contact page on there. And you can stay in touch with me there. It goes straight to my email. And uh, you can also fi- find the, and you can leave me your address and I'll send, or an address to send to, and I'll send you a free copy of the Hippie Revival and Collected Writings. Just go leave a review. And you can also find the book on uh, Barnes & Noble online. And I should point out my books are available in Kindle and uh, uh, paperback edition. And you can also uh, go to my independent publisher if you so choose. And that's Conscious Living Media. Uh, And if you don't like Amazon or Barnes & Noble. So, yeah. Okay, well, we'll make sure those links are in the show notes to make it easier for people who are listening or who may be driving right now and should not be taking down any (laughs) notes while they're driving. So, um, 
Forrest, any parting words for you today before we sign off? Yeah, I just want to say this to your viewers and listeners that stay inspired, stay faithful, don't lose hope in humanity. The, the last year was, you know, you could look at so many ridiculous things that happened that you could just say, oh, you know, humanity's not moving in a very positive direction. But I, but I challenge everybody to look within themselves. And you know, all know more than you think you do. You can find that inner faith. You can find your purpose and you can empower yourself. You don't need to, you don't need to be distracted by the news and pundits, negative words. You can find a, a, a deeper truth within yourself. Don't lose faith in humanity. Don't lose faith in yourself. Uh, you all can aspire to greatness. And that greatness, I, I don't mean greatness like fame and fortune. I mean greatness like awareness, compassion, and interconnectedness. And you can find that. And that, you know, we need that message more than ever right now, a message of positivity and hope. And I truly believe that. So I just want to say that. And the last thing I want to end with is you all are very lucky to have Sarah here. This is a, 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 great, a, a, a great use of time. We need more platforms like this that are trying to move people into a higher awareness. It's the only way we're going to evolve. It's everybody's got to be doing their part in pushing our consciousness in a more positive direction. So thank you for doing what you do too. It's ultimately and truly my pleasure. I have a great time doing it because I believe someone who needed to hear your message today and many someones have just gotten a piece or a nugget that they were waiting for. And I don't know who they are. I just know they're there. So I want to thank you for being a guest for us and all the best to you in your further travels between your two mountain ranges. Thank you so much and, and so much peace to you and to your entire audience. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.